Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for August 14th, 2023. I'm Phil Adler. A U.S. recession, the product of higher interest rates, no longer seems imminent. The rate of inflation has been falling and the unemployment rate is near a 60-year low. Confluence Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady joins us today to discuss one of the main reasons why we've avoided a recession so far, the tight labor market, and whether we can expect labor conditions to remain tight in the months ahead. First of all, Bill, I haven't been keeping account, but it seems that a growing number of commentators is suggesting the U.S. might even avoid a recession altogether, at least in the near future. What do you think? Well, although it's possible, I think giving up on recession is a reflection of our age where patience has been lost. In other words, we live in a world of immediacy. One of my favorite lines from The Simpsons is, Homer's hungry and he wants something now. Marge says he can microwave something, but Homer responds with, that will just take too long. That being said, there is a need for more exact timing. A weather forecast that tells you it's either going to rain tomorrow or over the next 45 days would likely be correct, but it wouldn't be terribly useful. So I do think a recession is coming, but it's not outside the historical record for indicators for it to actually occur in 2024. Bill, an inverted yield curve such as we have experienced has always been a a reliable predictor of recessions. Do you think it might be less reliable this time around? No, I I don't think so. There is some debate among economists about how an inverted yield curve actually affects the economy. Banks are in the liquidity transformation business. They take short-term deposits and turn them into long-term assets, otherwise known as loans. When the yield curve inverts, it short-circuits that process because the cost of funding the loan would be higher than the return on the loan, assuming similar credit risk. To examine the yield curve, we created a database of 10 yield curves. This is because in nature, there are multiple yield curves. What we found was that when any of the six of the 10 invert, a recession always follows. We saw six invert in July of 2022. Now, on average, a recession occurs about 16 months after the sixth yield curve inverts. But the range of outcomes is wide. The longest time from inversion signal to recession was 25 months. So if we track the average, a recession in the fourth quarter of this year would be normal. But if we replicate the longest spread, August of 2024 would be when the recession occurs. Do you think the pandemic, which can be termed a rare major event, has thrown a monkey wrench into economists' calculations, which are based on past performance? Well, as we noted in the report, pandemics have been trend-altering events. The Black Death clearly improved the lot of labor that survived. For the most part, long-term trends in labor markets are driven by demographics. The distribution of age can generally indicate when people will join and then exit the workforce. Clearly, there is some variation. For example, the extension of lifespans has kept older workers in the workforce. The addition of women entering the workforce played a role as well. But these changes all tend to be gradual. These are easier to project compared to sudden changes. The pandemic, on the other hand, was a sudden change. Bill, refresh our memory. How exactly did the pandemic change the the makeup of the workforce? Well, economists and demographers knew at some point older workers in the baby boom generation would leave the workforce. As our data show, the plus 55 workforce and employment had been rising steadily. We regressed trend lines starting in January 2000 to show how this group was growing. The pandemic led to a sudden stop. COVID-19 was especially lethal for older people, and the pandemic led to the 55-plus age 
cohort exiting the labor market. The charts in the report show just how far employment and the labor force of the age 55 and over age cohort have fallen below trend. This loss of workers is significant. What would today's unemployment rate be if there had been no pandemic and all of those older workers had remained in the workforce? Well, assuming we'd stayed on pre-pandemic trends, I calculate we would have had an unemployment rate of 4.9%. Now, this calculation needs a couple of caveats. First, it's possible the older workers remaining in the workforce may have lowered wages and thus brought lower unemployment. Secondly, although there was no evidence the trend was weakening before the pandemic, it may have started during the pandemic. But overall, I think the calculation's a good estimate. And if that had been the case, would the Fed today be considering lowering rates instead of raising them further? Well, now, given the level of inflation we had, I think they would have raised rates aggressively, but I definitely think they would not have reached current levels. Bill, do you expect older workers to return to the workforce in high enough numbers to reverse a good part of the pandemic dropouts and possibly help cause an increase in the unemployment rate? Well, maybe, but I doubt it. I think those workers that have left have adjusted to not working and found they kind of like it. Now, that doesn't mean some of these older workers won't rejoin the workforce. My point is that we're not going to return to the pre-pandemic trend. Tightness in the labor force has encouraged wage growth. How have wages behaved recently? Well, they are starting to come down, but they are still well above pre-pandemic levels. Overall, wages are up 4.4%, and wages for non-supervisory workers, the bulk of the workforce, are up 4.8%. The Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank has a set of data on the labor market with several different series on wages. In the wake of the pandemic, low-skilled workers were seeing faster wage growth than skilled workers. That was rather rare. We know that over the past three months, this trend has finally started to end. But we'll give you a little context. Before the pandemic, a low-skilled worker wage growth exceeded high-skilled worker wage growth only 0.7% of the time. Since the pandemic began, low-skilled wage growth exceeded high-skilled wage growth 54% of the time. There is some evidence of normalization, but the labor markets are still affected by the jolt from the pandemic. Wage growth boosts consumer spending. Has consumer spending been moderating lately? Well, it is. Consumption has been returning to normal. For this century into the onset of the pandemic, the yearly change in nominal consumption has been about 4.4%. It's currently about 5.4%, but it is slowing. Well, Bill, taking everything into account, do you think the latest data suggests the economy still might slow down, just not soon, in spite of interest rates that are higher than we've seen in the past decade? I do, but it could still be delayed for a while yet. This may mean that financial markets don't act as if a recession is imminent. That would probably bearish for bonds and bullish for stocks. Do you think, Bill, that we need to reassess how important interest rates are to overall economic health? I do. The economy just isn't as sensitive to interest rates as it used to be. Some of this is due to the fact that rates were low for a long time and borrowers wisely locked in those favorable rates. The labor markets will likely remain tight, although businesses will eventually adjust by adding technology which will allow them to exist with fewer workers. But the Federal Reserve has to take into account that the economy has changed.
Polls show that many Americans are worried about the economy, and, and many say we're already in a recession, even as the data tell a different story. Do you think that maybe this mood may be deterring spending to some extent, helping to keep inflation lower than it might be, and thus pushing off the onset of an actual recession? Well, this situation used to be described as a rolling recession. For example, there was a period where housing looked very weak, but the lack of existing supply stabilized prices. Various regions have been weaker than others. There is some evidence that less affluent households are slowing spending. But the key factor is that inflation is falling in the wake of the pandemic supply shock, and that factor should extend the expansion at least for a while. And how should investors react to an economic environment where the labor market remains tight and recession appears to be less imminent? Well, generally speaking, it's bullish for equities and bearish for long-duration fixed income. Although there is an element of tempting fate to continue to buy stocks, the level of liquidity available for equity ownership is quite favorable. On the other hand, I carry deep worries about the fate of the long end of the yield curve. I suspect inflation will settle in around 3% going forward, which means the long end, even with the recent rise in yields, is still not attractive. Thank you, Bill. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.